everybody. Welcome to The Right Side with Doug Billings. Thanks for watching and listening today. If uh, you're listening, please subscribe to us on all of the major podcast platforms in America. We are on all of them. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Pandora, whatever. We're out there. So please find your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to The Right Side with Doug Billings. And if you want to see the glory, the splendor, the majesty and you know you do, of the program, please head over to YouTube, search us out, The Right Side with Doug Billings, and subscribe to our channel over there, please. We're also on Twitter, Cloud Hub, Parlor, and Facebook, at Doug Billings. So, the uh, the furor, the, the atomic mushroom cloud of the debates last night is beginning to settle a bit, and we're getting some clarity about how we really feel about it. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You know, in the meantime, we still have the the uh, ACB nomination going on at the Supreme Court. I love saying ACB because I know it just really grinds on the liberal mindset. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard with them. You can't you can't call Amy Coney Barrett ACB. That's like calling, you know, you can't substitute RGB Ruth or RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and you can't call them the same thing. You can't you can't model Amy Coney Barrett's name after Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's it's almost as if it's blasphemy. It's a mortal sin. We can't do that if they believed in sin and God. But I do. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett is uh, proceeding with the nomination process. The Republicans on Capitol Hill are meeting her and the Democratic uh, Socialist Communist Party leaders, at least some of them, are refusing to meet with her because, of course, you know, she's illegitimate. Her life doesn't matter. And the nomination of her is uh, ridiculous because the new president, whoever that should be, should be the one that nominates the Supreme Court justice. After all, you know, the new Democratic Socialist Communist Party has no problem with just altering the way they view the Constitution. It was her most fervent last wish, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, um, and no matter how much we search for the my, my most fervent last wish article in the United States Constitution, we just can't seem to find it. So, the leadership of, of the New Democratic Socialist Communist Party, who are refusing to meet with Amy Coney Barrett because they feel as if it's her nomination is illegitimate, are demonstrating intellectual immaturity, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but ABC is ACB is going forward. She uh, will become a justice of the Supreme Court. And there's nothing that the Democratic Socialist Communist Party can do about it. So here's a few points um, that I want to make about how the liberals and others are approaching this. I think that the the new Democratic Socialist Communist Party is aghast at this whole thing, uh, the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, because they they would rather have somebody that views the Constitution as this living, breathing, ever-evolving document. And they're the party who, who, although they want the Constitution to be this living, breathing document, they clearly aren't the party that views... Uh, you know, a, a, a baby in, in the womb of its mother as the living, breathing, evolving life that it is. 
So they juxtapose themselves against these two ideological pitfalls, and intellectual immaturity is rampant among both of them. But yeah, they'll they'll want this they want the document to be alive and breathing, but they don't care about babies and so forth that are alive and breathing, in fact, within the womb. So that's the kind of abhorrent moral deficiencies that the New Democratic Socialist Communist Party is fraught with uh, throughout their uh, ideologies and their philosophies. They claim that the second point that I'll make is they claim that ACB's Catholic faith should be held against her and that it disqualifies her from serving as a judge, period. They, they said this during her appointment to this, this, the Seventh Circuit. Uh, so they, they understand that the, the, the religion test, let me fix that for a moment, never mind that the United States Constitution views uh, the test of religion and holding religion against someone as unconstitutional. Never mind that. You can just go look at Article 6, Section 3, for all of you wannabe constitutional scholars, and read it for yourself. The third point I want to bring up is that the members, these members of the New Democratic Socialist Communist Party, especially their leadership, they're part of a cabal that has hand-chosen Joe Biden as their puppet candidate, and they're claiming that Amy Coney Barrett's nomination is illegitimate, and they're not going to meet with her. Now, this is part of a tradition that exists for hundreds of years. Leaders of both parties would meet and greet and get to know and cordially talk with and invite the nominee up to Capitol Hill for some conversations, tea and crumpets and whatever else. But but clearly, you know, it's one thing to mess around and just shirk tradition and to do away with the long-held values and traditions that are within our republic. The common courtesies, if you will. Okay, good. Childish to say no. Childish to say that it's illegitimate. Ultimately, it's illogical and intellectually immature. Because clearly there's no constitutional basis to deny President Trump's obligation to nominate a judge during his term. As we've all heard and we all know, a president is elected for four years, not three, not three and a half and so if a president has, you know, the White House and we have the same party has the Senate, there is little that the other party can do. So that's part of what the logic of the whole thing is about. But the Democratic Socialist Communist Party doesn't possess the ability to grasp basic logic. They're big at crying and complaining and creating chaos and lying and besmirching people's characters, as we saw with Kavanaugh but clearly have no uh, intellectual capacity for the kind of logic and maturity that it takes to deal with President Trump. They just can't, they don't know how to deal with him, so they just say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to meet with your nominee, which ultimately, beyond just the intellectual immaturity of it all, is basically childish. Like I said, there's no my most fervent last wish clause in the Constitution, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg is on tape on video saying that any president of any party uh, 
no matter the point at which a nomination or a vacancy, rather, on the Supreme Court court, uh, presents itself, should be allowed to nominate the next judge, the next justice. We don't have her most fervent last wish on tape. Not calling whoever reported that a liar, just saying we have it on tape where she said, no matter what time a vacancy presents itself, the sitting president has a constitutional obligation to name a new nominee. Now, Lindsey Graham has some choices, and some people have suggested that, well, if they're going to be that intellectually mature and they don't want to meet with ACB, don't hold the vote. Let's just, or don't hold the hearing. Let's move straight to the vote. Uh, that's enticing. I, I, but just as much as I think and find fault in the, the Democratic position of not wanting to meet with what they call an illegitimate nominee would be breaking with tradition, I don't think that the Republican Party should stoop to that level and also just say, well, then screw it. We're not going to have a hearing. We're just going to move straight to the vote. Let's have the hearing. Let's let the let's let the um, the process take place. We control the Senate. We know that we have the votes. Let's go forth and just let the process uh, happen. Uh, put time limits on it and get it done before the election, so that she's on the bench prior to the election. I think that the honor of the institution of the Senate would be better served if we have the hearing and don't shirk that and uh, and just move straight to the vote. So look at me for a moment at, at given President Trump's valiant support of Israel, the moving of the U.S. embassy to the capital city of Jerusalem, his support of Israel's right to exist, his support of uh, giving military equipment to Israel, their right to the Golan Heights, and all of the rest. I just can't, for the life of me, I, I can't imagine... Why any Jewish American, just like I can't imagine why any Christian American, wouldn't vote and support President Trump. As a Catholic, I don't think it's possible to be Catholic if you support a candidate or a political party that supports or enables abortion. It's just not possible. Now, there's lots of Catholics that are members of the New Democratic Socialist Communist Party who will allow for a baby at nine months old to have its spinal cord snipped and a needle inserted into its skull so its brains can be sucked out. It doesn't compute with me, but that's Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, just to name a couple. We have President Trump, who's the most pro-life candidate, the most pro-life president in American politics. We've been experiencing something in America for the past three years, almost entirely without exception, it's been dismissed or it's not been mentioned by the name by the mainstream media. The Republic of the United States of America is going through a spiritual reawakening. We are now be, becoming more cognizant of the role of God and his divine providence within America. We've always been there, but we've not been so out there, if you know what I mean, so present and so vocal. Last weekend, there was a huge prayer gathering on the mall at Washington, D.C. Franklin Graham and, and many others headed up an incredible event. Hundreds of thousands of people, not a mention of it, or at least hardly any mention of it in the mainstream media. The power of prayer, the belief in God and his divine providence. We're now more apt than in years and decades past to acknowledge God and his divine providence in the daily life of America. 
It hasn't really been like this for quite some time. We've become comfortable admitting that the truth that divine providence has called Donald Trump to be president at this time and because we're facing these these issues, and that he as president has been given three nominations to the Supreme Court of the United States. It's as if God is reaching out directly and saying, I'm trying to do everything I can for you to help you get your republic back on track, trying to help you not lose what your founders and your framers set up for you and left for you to tend. None of those things are coincidences, ladies and gentlemen. The fact that Donald Trump is president and the fact that he's had three nominations to the Supreme Court, not coincidence. God, throughout our salvation history, has called imperfect people to accomplish great things. It's common for God to call people who are weak in faith to become great faith-filled leaders. Just look at King David. He was far from perfect. Moses had his issues. Clearly, God's call of Donald Trump to the presidency has yielded a transformation within Trump himself and within us by virtue of witnessing Trump's unabashed support of Christianity, Christian communities, the hand of God actively involved in America, his bringing to the forefront of the presidency prayer in the Oval Office, in meetings that he holds. It's been decades since a president has done that openly and in public, on television or in the, in the public square. Divine providence is giving us every chance to save our republic from the Democratic Socialist Communist Party, which is no longer a Christian party and it's no longer an American party. Now, people's jaws will drop open. Well, of course they're not a Christian party. We're not supposed to have Christian parties in America. There's this entire separation of church and state. Read Thomas Jefferson. Well, that's all taken out of context. Of course, Thomas Jefferson and the rest of the framers and the founders wanted God, religion, ethics, and morals taught, discussed, and believed in within our republic. Finally, President Trump's opponent in this particular upcoming election is not Joe Biden. President Trump's opponent in this upcoming election is voter fraud. There's no way on God's green earth that Biden is leading in the polls or would stand any normal or usual chance in winning this election. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, look, evidence of the obvious is sufficient, or at least it should be. Evidence of the obvious, Trump's rallies, boat parades, car parades, horse parades, thousands of people lining up on the streets when he approaches a town for one of his rallies, tens of thousands in and tens of thousands who couldn't get in waiting and watching on the big screens outside. Evidence of the obvious is sufficient, and nobody sees anywhere near those numbers at a Biden rally, he's not capable of drawing more than 50 people. I'll give you 100 tops at any of his events. The, the debate last night proved that the American people are behind President Trump. Look, President Trump wanted to debate last night. He came prepared to absolutely dominate, and he did dominate. 
He's an open book, and he's opened up for us a new style of debate. Whether you like it or not, he's opened up a new style, an aggressive style of debate. Control the tempo, control the topics, and dominate the discussion. I mean, what's wrong with that? People on the other side, oh my God, oh my God, he was so rude, it was so unpresidential, help us. You know, it was crazy, the meltdown that the left had and people that don't like the orange man. He wasn't coming prepared to be polite, ladies and gentlemen, nor should he have. He wanted to control the discussion. He wanted to control the debate. And he's exactly the kind of leader I want at the table when we're dealing with international leaders of other countries to be that passionate and to control the the discussion and the debate and the negotiations. I clearly don't want who I saw last night, Joe Biden, who looked like he was two sheets He looked like he was two steps out of the grave, pasty white skin, dead man debating, dead man walking. Chris Wallace, who's a a registered Democrat, would would have not asked, if he would not have asked leading questions, and if he would not have asked questions that were intended to elicit an emotional response rather than Uh, substantive answers on policy and plans, we all would have been better off. Some commentators and pundits today have said, America lost last night. America was clearly the loser in the debates. I respectfully disagree. I think America was the winner last night. I think that we saw Trump on fire, dominating a discussion much as he should, dominating an opponent, and taking charge of questions that were not geared to give him a fair shake at giving substantive answers. But in my view, the people won because of the dichotomy between Trump and Biden. I think we saw it clear. I mean, Trump and Biden's differences could not have been made more clear. And the bottom line is that we need President Trump at the negotiation table with China, North Korea, Russia, whoever, Canada, Mexico, whatever. Americans won last night because they got to see how damn aggressive and forceful Trump can be. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Don't let decorum and manners, good manners, throw you off track here. When it's appropriate, Trump can be polite and well-mannered. Last night, the questions weren't designed to give, as I said, substantive answers. They were designed to uh, elicit emotional responses. I I guess that if I were to give President Trump one suggestion, it would have been that when they were talking about the the conversation turned about uh, Bo Biden, um, you know, the son that Biden lost to uh, cancer. I, I think that Trump would have been better served if he would have seriously and calmly said, Joe, I appreciate Bo's service to our military and to this country, and I'm sorry that you lost him. And then go right back in to the domination tactic that he had employed. I think that if he just takes a step back once in a while to recalibrate his demonstration of being sensitive, he becomes a winner, more of a winner. That would have probably won over the entire night for him with that one sentence of concern. So the only way that Trump loses this election is by voter fraud. We've got to pray for an absolute blowout, landslide, and just undisputed victory for President Trump. I think that we'll see it. I think that some of the surprises are going to be these. I I, I do think 
that any one of these things are possible. I think, number one, California will probably go Republican. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has initiated so many kook mandates, decisions, and shutdowns out there that he's driving everybody either out of California or to the Republican Party. You know, outside of San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Hollywood, California is a red state. I think the same thing may be true in Oregon. I feel more strongly about it in California. But, you know, you think average and common folks in that state, they don't, if you think that they don't blame the communist, socialist, democratic party, you're wrong. They see the carnage going on in Portland. They understand it's their leadership and government, which is democratic, socialist, communist, and they don't want any more of it. So I think that you're going to see people I don't like the orange man. I don't like the way that he behaved at that at the debate. Boy, he was rude. But boy, I don't want my city to burn anymore. And I'm going to vote for him. That's what they're thinking. That's what they're thinking. And I think that's what they're going to do. And I think that with that kind of mindset among the people, I think we're going to hold on to the Senate. And I'll be darned if I don't think that we're going to take back the House. I, I just think the entire year of 2020, has been the best commercial for President Trump than I could have ever dreamt or that could have ever been produced. Riots, mobs, the burning of America, rioting and looting, looting, murder, arson, rape, and anarchy. And the new Democratic Socialist Communist Party has not condemned it. In fact, they bail out the felons and the criminals so they can go do more burning. And the common, average, logical, critical thinking American, whether or not he or she is a Republican, Democrat, or Independent, looks at all of that and they go, that's not the America I want. Trump may have his issues, and I might not like the guy myself, but as far as a leader goes and getting us out of this BS, he's the guy. Clearly, it's not Biden. Biden doesn't even think he's going to be around for two more years. So look, everybody, we continue to have a blessing, a pack of blessings on our back. I would like that we pray for President Trump and his family. Keep him safe, dear Lord, please. Ladies and gentlemen, take inventory of that pack of blessings on your back. It's abundant and it's glorious. And may God continue to bless you, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you. Please subscribe to this program on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Parlor, and CloudHub. And may God continue to bless you. And may he please continue to bless and guide the United States of America. Good day.